0: VoiceTube Studio presents a refreshing, fun, and informative podcast. Come with us to learn English.
1: And explore culture. Join Steve and Winnie on Ride the Vibes.
0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Ride the Vibes. This is your host, Steve. And this is your host, Winnie. And today we have a special guest with us to talk about a few different topics, but our episode is going to focus on uh, photography and nature, specifically probably nature in Taiwan. So Alex, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you very much for having me. Of course. Um, I thought a good place to start because you have a very interesting upbringing. You don't have the typical, like born in one country, raised there, went to school there. You bounced around a little bit. So do you want to kind of introduce your background and also a little bit about who you are?
2: Okay the problem um so i was born and raised in hong kong and malaysia until i was 8 years old and when i uh the first after i became 8 that's um, I, I moved to australia where it was kind of that became my home because that was the first uh place western country that i ever lived in um my parents are originally english but they didn't like the english weather so moving to australia was definitely a nice uh, aspect of uh, a new life and a new beginning but soon after, um my father, who had the travel bug, decided to move to Taiwan to build the Taiwan high-speed rail. So, thanks, I know I'm growing up in Taiwan, and I did my entire high school here. So that kind of got me addicted to Taiwan, addicted to traveling after just nonstop going back and forth between countries. And after a couple years of traveling and studying, you know, I couldn't help but come back. So, after six years of going to school here, I've now spent 10 plus years back living in Taiwan on my own, living and
0: working. So I'm curious, like, what were those first eight years like living in Malaysia, in Hong Kong?
2: Well, back then was before 97. So it was definitely like the strong British influence of, you know, the old Hong Kong. Um, I remember it was the, the expat culture had never, since, has never been so strong. You know, living then, you went, when you went to the international schools, there were so many people from so many different countries, all there for different work reasons. And it was definitely a period of time, which I don't think will be replicated ever again, because packages just aren't that good anymore. But um, it was definitely an interesting thing, because when you don't know any different, it's your life. Mm-hmm. And then you move countries to someone who's grown up in the same suburb, and you kind of look at them, think... That's it, and <laughs> you don't want to be rude, but you kind of think, "All right, you know." So I think it was definitely—it's weird to say—that's become the norm, and that the term that a lot of people use is, you know, you become a third culture kid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that is more evident in society today than ever before. But I really believe that was like back then—that was like the beginning of it, where it was becoming normal, and now you've got fourth culture kids and fifth culture kids. It's 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 gone to a whole new
0: level. Yeah and Winnie, didn't you mention third culture some some episodes back?
1: Third culture. Well I guess we're gonna have to kinda of explain what third culture and fourth culture and fifth culture actually means. Well Alex, would you do the honor?
2: Yeah, so third culture is you you're from so maybe your your parent is British, your father is American, but you grew up in in, in Asian culture so you've got uh, you your environment is uh multiple 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 influenced um of different cultural practices and and beliefs and and you know ways of living but you become adapted to it so but now you get that in a higher sense because maybe a kid has grown up in two or three countries like me which usually happens because your parents get you know they get two-year contracts and they move country so you've got this idea of fourth and fifth and sixth culture is because in your early years where you are very influenced, those cultures influence you as a person which helps define who you are rather than just saying I'm American or I'm British. You're actually, well, what am I? Because you are a bit of everything.
1: That's a beautiful explanation. 基本上, uh, third culture fourth culture, 那些东西啊, So I'm just curious, do you consider yourself Taiwanese at all? I used
0: to call myself Taiwanese.
2: (laughs) There was a period in time where I I was so... Like my, my primary years, 13 to 18 were in Taiwan. So I call myself Taiwanese and my brother used to make fun of me. And, uh, my joke is, you know, I do, I was telling you earlier my I call myself an ABC as an Asian born Caucasian Mm -hmm. as a play off the American born Chinese, Mm -hmm. because that is part of me being third culture. Mm -hmm. So Taiwan for me, I mean, I've almost lived here 17 years now Mm -hmm. total. So this is uh, definitely a part of me which will never be replaced. It's like you know your first 18, 18, years of life you cannot replace them. So this will def. When I do leave Taiwan and travel further, it's mm-hmm. n- it's always going to be a part.
1: It has a special place in your heart.
2: Yeah, I, I met my wife here. I went to school here. I discovered my passions and built my career here. Um, i go over to i go back home and i go back to other countries my network is nowhere near as extensive as it is in taiwan and working in taiwan for all these years your network doesn't just stay here it mm-hmm. goes to the states it goes to europe it goes to asia so it's more than a special place but it's more more like a foundation level for me to keep keep moving forward as a person mm mm-hmm.
1: All right, so I, I see here that you're an you're an artist, and Steve has showed me some of your uh, photos. Do you think that um, the reason why you love nature so much, maybe it has something to do with um, the time you spent in Australia? Because we know Australia is all about nature.
2: Yeah, the, the you know we live outdoors in Australia. Everything in Australia is about you know being active. Like you can't help but notice that in the culture there. Um, I, d- I would definitely say that that had a big influence on, I- influence on me. But to be honest, I'd actually say what sparked that was actually Taiwan. Mm-hmm. Because in Australia, if I want to go somewhere beautiful, it took me 12 hours to drive there. <laughs> <laughs> so in Taiwan, I can be diving in an hour and a half. I can be at the foot's, foot of the mountains in three hours. I can be down a river in 45 minutes I can be river tracing and discover a waterfall and I don't have to worry about crocodiles and snakes and big <laughs> spiders. In Australia you go somewhere. You kind of got. To, yeah you got to know where you're going because if you go into the wrong water you might not come out.
0: Well, that's always the joke, right? Everything in Australia Every kills yeah, yeah, yeah. you. It's literally like spiders, snakes, kangaroos, I bet. I mean, I don't know if can- kang- kangaroos can kill you. Yeah, kangaroos they're, they're dangerous.
2: They are, when the kangaroo males get in season, they are the Mike Tyson of <laughs> animals.
1: Yeah, there's like videos on YouTube, like just kangaroos punching.
2: Yeah, they, are, they kick and they lean back on their tail and they give you a double kick. And if you're not a strong person or if they get you in the ribs, you're done for.
0: Oh, yeah, oh, I'd man. imagine. Damn. Um yeah so you're more you you kind of have a bunch of different things going on you're a photographer you're a graphics art guy um you're a hiker you're you doing you're doing quite a bit um but I think for the sake of this episode we'll focus on the photography and nature so let's start with the photography because I think a lot of people out there want to be photographers and smartphones have given people the capability of getting more access to photography and becoming photographers but there's still such a level, there's such a disparity between your average iPhone photographer and a professional ph- photographer. And I'm wondering, like, how you got your start and, like, maybe uh, you could give some advice to people who might be more interested in going from basically just iPhone hobbyists to more professional uh, photographers.
2: Um, the, the journey of photography, uh, being a creative person in, in in the workplace today, is very interesting. Uh, the way that i got started was in high school i did traditional photography with film so i learned how to develop my own film i learned how to take pictures and not being the most uh book smart personality and did not like really sitting in the classroom um photography was one of those things that i kind of was as good at so and i was able to be outside. I was able to walk around. I was able to look at things and try and make them into something. So I think that's what got me interested is being able to walk by a door or a texture or a scene and be able to look at it and say, that's a photo. And maybe someone else didn't see that. So I think for me, it was a creative outlet, which is what really got me into photography itself. To continue that into further and using iphones and cameras and all this um i'm a big supporter of photography or whatever you choose to be your creative outlet there are people out there who have ten thousand hundred thousand dollars worth of equipment and there's people out there who have you know their iphone or their samsung um the, the essential basis of all of it is is something that you enjoy doing That allows you to share your perspective with people Mm -hmm. that is enough if you want to take it further then there's a whole journey that you can take but the essence of photography for me is you being creative as a person and i think that is very important
0: Mm -hmm. it's very inspiring i totally agree and it kind of brings me back to that saying like as a, as someone who writes and plays some music, like people are like, if you ever want to if you're writing to make money, just stop because it's just not going to happen. Um, you need to really enjoy the process. And I think that's kind of what you're saying in a nutshell is like you need to do it for you and it kind of as a creative expression rather than as a business maneuver. And if you can make money off of it and you really put some time into it, that might be possible, but that shouldn't really be like your end goal necessarily. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah, your your end goal. if you want to make it. If you want to take the step further and you want to take it into a profession, then, you know, there is, you can study, you know, now these days with digital photography that goes hand in hand with graphic design and you, you have to be able to keep up to date with all the different, um, levels of quality and expectations of the industry. But if your foundation isn't in, if you at your foundation aren't enjoying it, then it's just going to be a continuous task. So for me now, I work as a photographer and a designer, I get to play in both worlds where someone comes to me with an idea, I get to be creative and and come up with a concept, I get to be able to shoot it, I I get to be able to edit it, and then I get to print it. And working in this industry for 10 plus years now, and going on this pathway, some of it's been learning by doing, and some has been learning by failing, and some is just what happens in the process of when you work and you have experience because you you learn the differences by feeling the materials or by playing with different lights and by buying different cameras so i really feel like there is a journey there professionally that you can buy the greatest camera but if you don't have the experience of why that camera is going to help you push yourself to the next level you've almost bought something that you're not going to use to its full potential
0: Right, mm-hmm. it's just like buying a $3,000 guitar when you can't even strum a G chord. <laughs> yeah, well, to, to, put it sim-
1: to put it simply, it's just like buy something or use something of your own level. This will actually help you perform better. This is what I think.
2: Yeah, I, complete, I completely agree with that. Some, we're not saying don't go out and don't dream of having that amazing camera one day, but it's a journey to get to that point.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess a lot of people, they want to rush and they just like, I, I want it now. But the most important thing is that these things takes it takes time and it takes a lot of practice
0: yep am um, I like full of these cheesy sayings so it's like a lot of people say it's not about the destination it's about the journey or mm-hmm. I get that backwards it's about the journey, not the destination <laughs> <laughs> that's I think very true in this case you know you have to really enjoy the process and the hard work and the labor and the fun everything about it you know you have to really just relish it and enjoy it mm-hmm.
2: I don't know if you guys know about the the, the mentality of 10,000 hours. Mm-hmm. But, there, but I feel like photography and that journey and destination is about that 10,000 hours, about the time you put into something is the result you're going to get. Mm-hmm. So just because you buy something doesn't mean you'll get the result. Mm-hmm. So if you really want to push forward, you can push forward with your iPhone. You can push forward with a nice camera. It's just you going out, just trying to do to discover your neighborhood or go hiking for the first time or take up a new sport and photograph that. Mm -hmm. It's about you taking the leap to spend the time to understand what you're doing and then capture the journey along the way.
1: Yeah, it's the perspective. Cause I, you know, I've been using my iPhone and you know my little GoPro, uh, taking pictures and taking videos. It's my perspective, and I think people liked it. People are seeing the world through my eyes. Um, I guess this is also a good start, and a lot of people are also making videos either on YouTube or TikTok. Uh, tick not TikTok. I, I like that candy uh, on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> they use that to um, film what they like, and that actually sort of is pretty inspiring. This is what I feel.
0: Yeah, totally. I, I totally agree with that, although I am like, not a photographer whatsoever, but I, I admire it. I admire photographers and what they do. Um, let's move the conversation a little bit towards nature, though. So Alex, you do quite a bit of different photography. And if you go to his website, you'll see different countries and different styles. But um, you do a lot of nature photography. And I'm wondering, like, um, what about nature photography draws you in? And like, how is it different from taking like, normal shots? So I don't want to call them normal shots, but other kinds of photography. (laughs) Day-to-day shots. Uh,
2: Nature and landscape uh, photography is easy to take but hard to look good because you can drive up to a a mountaintop and there'll be 50 photographers there and they all click. But I think what makes it so amazing is light. Mm -hmm. You go and see a scene and you watch the scene change between the morning the evening and the nighttime, and how the atmosphere changes with that light so it's it makes you stop it makes you look at the look at the the scene the landscape it makes you think about where you want to shoot and sometimes i've gone on journeys that i've sat in the same spot for six seven hours to get one photo and that feeling is because you watch time pass and you watch th- the light pass, that it's like there's that golden moment where it just makes sense. And I think that's what's the beautiful thing about landscape photography and nature. It's, you can't just drive in a car, drive to a forest and go, wow, that's a good photo. <laughs> that's <laughs> me. <laughs> it's beautiful, it's amazing. But then if you want to be in a stunning photo, you kind of, well, what is this like at 5am? What is this like at lunchtime? What is this at sunset? You know, what is this like on a full moon night? There's different aspects of it where you can really take one scene and you can create four different personalities, five different personalities by the time of day and the type of light that you use to shoot.
0: Cool. Yeah, that's a really good explanation. I think that's, it requires a lot of patience. So I'm wondering for you, like what, what's your favorite, where is your favorite place in Taiwan to do, to capture photography, to take photography, take pictures. Where is your favorite place in Taiwan (laughs) to take pictures?
2: The mountains, um, which I know we have in common, is there's something about Taiwan mountains which are just majestic. You know, it's, you have, I mean, if we take it back to the earthquake zone and why all these mountains are here and every year they get taller and taller and and the height gets different and there's all these mountains you can collect and, but they're stunning. I mean, there's rolling mountains on shadows on shadows. There's different peaks you can climb. Taiwan has one of the high, you know the highest uh, highways in the world that take you right over the top to about 3,400 meters. From there, you see all the other mountains. You can go to spots where you can take your friends who are visiting, and it's a bit touristified, or you can make the effort to go up a mountain and you start in humid forest, and you finish in four foot of snow, and someone look, and you just think, is this Taiwan? You've got this diversity of of place of places and mountains and all these different aspects of the central Taiwan and the nantau that makes it super special compared to other places. I I, I feel.
1: Mm-hmm. No, steve has a lot of comments on this <laughs> well i do
0: but i was just going to kind of pass it to you winnie because you just had your first experience yes. going to well not going to but hiking in mm-hmm. the high mountains you just did uh chile nanhua mm-hmm. for the first time so i was wondering like what does this bring does listening to what alex said give you like a new perspective based on your trip i was literally about to cry <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> when he was describing all that yes um i had recently experienced my first bayou, like the top 100 peaks in Taiwan, and uh, I was um, my 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 initial um, idea of climbing that mountain was like, hey, um, you know, I, I live in Taiwan. I love the sea, but we're all we're also like famous for the mountains and that. So I was like, I definitely have to try that, but I didn't know if I was gonna like it or not. But um, as I was hiking, it was it was torture. I was basically falling <laughs> behind, uh, and I was constantly just running, trying to catch up with my friends and stuff. But as I was walking there alone, and I looked at the mountains. And I just looked at the, you know, I, I looked at my feet stepping on the ground. I was like, hey, I'm actually doing this. And it's really, really beautiful. These are the things that I've never seen before. Um, you know, I've translated videos for um, some, some traveling shows and stuff. They were showing mountains in uh, Switzerland and all that. And I feel like I don't have to travel there. I can see it here. And, um, you know, at nighttime, I was like, oh, my, my, neck, my neck hurts. And I looked up and I was like, oh, damn. The stars, <laughs> uh, the star. I've never seen stars so beautiful. There's like, there's no empty spaces. It's just like stars, everywhere, everywhere. So mm-hmm. like, I was, I was really, I would say, shocked. I didn't know how beautiful it was gonna be up there, and I was really glad that I took this trip. And thanks, special thanks to Steve and his girlfriend for uh, lending me all the gears.
0: No problem. Yeah, no, I mean, I totally agree with that. Um, I think you guys said said it well enough where I don't really need to add much to it. Um, let's go ahead and talk about diving a little bit because, Alex, you like the mountains, but – well, we all like the mountains, but – you guys also dive. Winnie and Alex both scuba dive, something mm-hmm. I've never done that I really would like to do. Mm-hmm. So, Alex, handing it to you, like, uh, you do a lot of amazing. I don't know if this is a new thing for you, but you do. I've seen some amazing diving photographs that you've taken and just like incredible stuff. And I mean, for me, maybe because I don't dive, I'm just like, holy cow, like these pictures are incredible. Like, how do people get these pictures?
2: So the world of diving is is something else it's it's beautiful and it's a it's a whole new sport and a whole new discovery compared to mountains and our everyday life because it's your you float you swim you have to learn technically how to make sure you stay safe in the environment Mm -hmm. but once you do it's unbelievable i think personally it's the closest thing to flying that we can do without using machines yes there's something about it which Mm. is Calming uh, free you know like it 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 transpires you to a different state of mind and you don't have to once you get good at it you don't have to think all the things that you learn because it becomes second nature mm-hmm. so my whole diving I'll say career I'm actually a paddy dive master
1: how, how long have you been diving I've been diving
2: for about six and a half years now mm-hmm. And that started from doing the open water, which is the beginning level course, mm-hmm. to now being a paddy dive master, which is one beneath the instructor. Mm-hmm. And the reason I did the got to this level was not because I wanted to do it professionally. It's because I wanted to be able to be at a level that I could take out my friends and look after them safely so they could experience the same thing. Mm-hmm. And it's oh, an amazing world. And now that I've done five 600 dives there i'm at that level where you know after a couple hundred i started i took my camera down and i have a special casein and i have a underwater strobe and once you get control of your body and your environment you know i my next passion was well i want to capture that mm-hmm. i want to be able to show people that and some things you have to learn to find because they're tiny they're the size of a bb bb <sighs> gun bullet Mm-hmm. And smaller and other things you know you swim by and they're huge but I mean as you know yeah diving it is a different world it's we know more about space than we do our deepest oceans
1: Um, you know when you're under the sea everything is sort of like I think everything is just amazing down there I had just recently started learning so I started from you know the very beginning the open water I just done that training And uh, I'm sort of still at the level of when I go down in the water, I'm still a little bit nervous and I still yeah, I'm still still, like focused uh, um, on what what is going to happen to me because I'm like still like pretty scared and all that. I'm still um, at the training level. So if you can in the future, I would like to join your scuba (laughs) diving trips and uh, uh, see things through your eyes. That would be cool.
2: Absolutely. I mean, that's why we dive is to share.
0: That's cool. I mean, yeah, it's something I t- oh, I should totally do it someday. Um, is there anything specific about Taiwan that makes it an attractive place to dive or a special place to like see different animals or different kind of like uh, I guess sea plants?
2: Um, the marine life in Taiwan is is quite unique in the sense of we're not quite south enough to be the Philippines and we're not quite north enough, you know, with the colder water with Japan, so. The currents in Taiwan they change quite often. So for the winter season, you know the water goes north, and for the summer season, the water comes south. So you really get to experience uh, the you know the different types of creatures that uh, survive in those water temperatures. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, you know Taiwan on the southwest corner actually has Xiao mm-hmm. which is a protected uh, turtle haven. Mm-hmm. So if you you know you can talk about you know the different corals and and all that which is you know which is always a topic especially with um with the water's getting warmer but what is so special is the fact that the taiwanese government is protecting areas for sea life mm-hmm. knowing that it is unique you know usually people have to fly to philippines and all this to uh, jump on Boats and buses to get to places to see all this type of marine life. And three hours from Taipei, we can jump, we can be in the water. And one dive, I saw over 12 turtles.
1: Mm-hmm. The key point here is that it's so convenient in Taiwan. I was talking to a friend the other day and she said the same thing is just you can get to anywhere in Taiwan within five hours and you can just enjoy. Um, you can enjoy the city life and also enjoy the nature in such a short time. I think that is the beautiful thing about Taiwan. I before I feel like I didn't appreciate my own country enough. But um, this year, after doing some scuba diving and after doing some hiking, I feel like, man, I really love this country.
2: I would agree with you because. You know, with recent events as well, with COVID-19 and no one traveling, I feel like it is a time in Taiwan where the Taiwanese are all looking into their own country and really enjoying it and taking advantage rather than thinking, oh, I want to go to Japan. Oh, I want to go to all these other places. Mm -hmm. Um, Over the last uh, long weekend, uh, 5,000 Taiwanese visited Green Island. Mm -hmm. If you think about that, I mean... That's not an easy trip to go down and drive and the traffic and the boat to get there. Yeah, that was two to three times higher than last year's uh, visitor rate. Right. There mm-hmm. we go.
0: Yeah, I'm really but, glad I got to Matsu because um, we bought tickets to Matsu before the whole COVID-19 thing broke out. But now I'm hearing it's almost impossible to travel to any of the outer islands just yeah. because of how many Taiwanese people are buying tickets because they can't travel abroad. Mm-hmm.
2: It's, it's an amazing that a, that a country is, you can see the people enjoying their country so immensely that it's, it's almost like, yeah, you get why as foreign as we come here. It's mm-hmm. like sometimes, you know, you can't, you know, we forget to explore our own backyard. So I think it's really nice to see the Taiwanese Going, hey, yeah, like there is a sense. Not, It's not about being proud of being Taiwanese. It's being proud of like, wow, look at my backyard. Look mm-hmm. at what my country is. Mm-hmm. I
1: think because Taiwan is such a tiny island, I think a lot of people feel like hey, if I'm going to go on a vacation, I'm going to go somewhere else. But like you said, there's COVID-19 and we got so many beautiful islands like Shaliuochu and Matsu and also Jingmen and well there's so many also Penghu. There's so many islands that you can visit and there's so many awesome marine life that you can see and even on every every island, you, there's a hike that you can go to. I know on Lanyu, there's like a little hike that you can go to. So see, every everywhere in Taiwan, there's like something
0: for you. Yeah, I agree. And actually, whenever I travel to different countries, I usually meet people that talk about traveling in Asia. And They're like, oh yeah, I went to Japan, I went to China. Almost none, not, I don't want to say almost none of them. But many people do not even think about Taiwan. It's just not on their radar. Mm-hmm. It's just like this tiny little island that's like, West of Japan, like next to China. But I always tell them, I'm like, yeah, you should totally check out Taiwan. You're going to see stunning nature. Like I've been to Sri Lanka. I've been to Vietnam. I've been to some of these other countries. And I tell people, I'm like, yeah, before you leave Asia, I recommend you at least think about going to Taiwan. Because there's some amazing stuff to see there Mm -hmm. uh, that's probably just as incredible as the stuff you're going to see in other countries. So Mm -hmm. I think it is a country that flies a little bit under the radar. And um, maybe it deserves a little more international respect in a lot of different ways. I'm not going to push any politics in the podcast.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but I feel like um, right now, we kind of also got to be ready for all the tourists that are going to come to this country when COVID-19 is over. Uh, We got to say that some of the infrastructure for tourism in Taiwan is not really well maintained and is not really well developed. And I think... um, for now, because a lot of people like we got a lot of locals traveling in Taiwan now. So I feel like the government is looking into it and they're trying to improve all that. So I would say maybe in the next two years, we're definitely going to have more visitors.
2: I, I, I would absolutely agree. And the exposure Taiwan's had on the international news in the last year, I think it's going to make people curious to to that as well. And, you know, just emphasizing the fact that Taiwan is a destination and not a layover. Mm-hmm. and having people come and realize that, that you've met traveling and also Taiwan really propelling itself on the international market as as a place to visit. And I mean, if you look at the MRT in Taipei 10 years ago to the map now, it's one of the, I haven't seen an other country try and develop its infrastructure as much as Taiwan has. I mean, it's an earthquake zone and there's MRTs in all the main cities, we've got a 320 kilometer high speed train, Mm -hmm. we've got airports on the outlying islands as including in the south and the north. Mm -hmm. They really are looking forward in the sense of how, it's not even about convenience, it's about. making people to be able to move around and enjoy their country without it being a hassle Mm -hmm. like once you take the the journey that once you take the hassle out the journey and you say come on go and if you make it possible for people they're going to go
0: all right well i think we've talked about a lot of interesting things in this episode we've covered photography alex's unique upbringing nature taiwan so first of all it's it's always great to have you on the show alex so thanks for dropping by
2: Yep, I appreciate it. And thanks for the opportunity to
0: uh, for me to express my uh, my journey and, and my passion for Taiwan. Of course. I hope it inspires some of our listeners. And where can listeners find more about you? Where can they see your photography or your work?
2: Uh, I do a lot on, on Facebook, and I have my website, alexhoughton.photo. Mm-hmm. I put everything up there, and I share everything on LinkedIn and social media. I'm not a big IG person. Mm-hmm but because you can't, I don't like the lack of interaction. So website, Facebook.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, well, Facebook, our website, and we'll link those both in the description box below, so be sure to check that out. All right, guys, thanks for listening. We'll catch you guys on the next episode. Uh, bye-bye. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Ride the Vibes. We're glad you enjoyed the episode. We want to take our show around the world to reach new listeners. It would be totally awesome if you would like, share, and subscribe. You can now find us on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Wherever you are, we'll be there waiting.
1: We're also now on Instagram. Find us at rtvibesvt. And definitely get in contact with us if there's anything you want us to talk about in the future. See you next time, and once again, thanks for listening.